Um, morning, everyone. Uh, as Andrew said, my name is Tim, and we have two um, passages to read from uh, this morning. Uh, the first is um, from the book of Luke, chapter 7, uh, verses 31 to 35. Um, but while, while you're um, getting to that passage, um, I'll pray for us. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that uh, it is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. We pray this morning that as we hear from it, that you might speak to and transform our hearts so that we become more like your son, Jesus. Amen. Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other, We played the pipe for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came, neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came, eating and drinking, and you say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Uh, the second passage that we're reading from uh, this morning is from uh, from John chapter two, verses one to eleven. And sorry, I didn't mention before this one. So this one's on page nine hundred and twelve. If you've got your um, the Bibles on seats. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Uh, thanks so much, Tim. Uh, it'd be great for you to keep uh, that passage in John open. Uh, and yeah, good morning. Uh, Happy New Year. My name is Paul, and I'm uh, one of the pastors here. Here we go. Hopefully that, yeah, no more rubbing on my beard and my 
deeply masculine voice. Uh, it's really good uh, to dive into God's Word uh, as we start uh, this new year. I'm really excited for this series. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be exploring the Jesus you never knew. Uh, and today we're thinking about Jesus as a party animal. But how would I pray uh, as we uh, dive into God's Word together? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Word given to us. And we pray now that your spirit would be at work through your word to transform us and to change us and to see how incredible Jesus really is. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, have you ever judged a book by its cover? You know what that means? You know, have you ever looked at someone or something and come to your own assumptions? or expectations about who they are and what they're like without actually getting to know them. Uh, One man who knows what it's like to be judged like that was 37-year-old Paul Potts from Bristol in the UK. Uh, Paul Potts was a mobile phone salesman uh, who'd been bullied as a kid, but he decided to audition for Britain's Got Talent back in 2007. Uh, When he walked in to the audition, the judges looked at him and drew their own conclusions. They thought, what's this guy doing here? But take a look at this video and see what happens next. The next contestant, the world of showbiz seems a million miles away. It's Paul, a mobile phone salesman from South Wales. By day, I sell mobile phones. My dream is to spend my life doing what I feel that I was born to do. Paul, what are you here for today, Paul? To sing opera. I've always wanted to sing as a career. Confidence is, has always been sort of like a difficult thing for me. I've always found it a little bit difficult to be completely confident in myself. OK, ready when you are. Quite a spine tingling. I don't know. I, I get that feeling when I'm watching it, isn't it? Uh, Paul Potts went on to win Britain's Got Talent that year. 
shattering everyone's expectations and assumptions about who he was. And I reckon today in our world, many people treat Jesus the same way Paul Potts was initially treated. They judge him without actually even knowing him. I wonder, is that you? Do you look at Jesus and just see him as a religious figure from history? Do you look at Jesus and see him as just someone who wants you to go to church and read your Bible and do good deeds? Do you look at Jesus as just a man who doesn't have any relevance for your life today? Do you look at him and just pass him by, not realizing the immense worth and a life he offers you? Well, I reckon many in our world treat Jesus like that because they haven't met the real Jesus. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the person of Jesus and we're going to meet the Jesus you never knew. Today, we're going to meet Jesus, the party animal. Next week, we're going to meet Jesus who had dodgy friends. And then finally, we're going to meet Jesus who loathed religious fakes. And as we look at the person of Jesus over the next few weeks, We're going to see how he turns all our expectations and assumptions about him on their head. We see the great joy and life and incredible hope he offers us. We're going to meet the real Jesus. So for those of you here today who've never looked into the life of Jesus before, we're so glad you're here. It's my prayer that you'll come to see the real Jesus. You'll come to see the invitation of life that he's holding out to you. And for those of you here who maybe have known about Jesus for a while, it's my prayer that you will see afresh the person of Jesus and the earth-shattering worth of knowing and doing life with him. So today we're going to meet Jesus, the party animal. And to do that, we're just going to do three things. Firstly, we're going to look at what the Bible says about Jesus as a party animal. Secondly, we're going to think about three mistakes we make with Jesus' invitation. And then thirdly, we're going to see how Jesus wants us to respond to him. So firstly, what does the Bible say about Jesus, the party animal? Well, in Jesus' own words in the passage in Luke we had read, he he said this. He said, the son of man came eating and drinking, and you say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Uh, Jesus' words here show what the religious leaders of his day thought of him. They criticized him for parting too hard. They called him a drunkard and a glutton. They saw Jesus eating and drinking and they thought this is not how God's son would act. They thought God wouldn't be parting and eating with the riffraff of society. Now it's helpful to say uh, there's no evidence in the Bible of Jesus ever getting drunk or overeating, but it's not too hard to see where this criticism of Jesus came from. Jesus was always around food. He was always around parties and banquets. He was always up for a good time with others. He wasn't hidden away discussing the Bible in the synagogues. No, he wanted to eat and drink, to enjoy friendship and food with everyone and anyone. Didn't matter who you were, Jesus wanted to eat with you. We read of one such instance in Luke chapter 5. Uh, This is one banquet he attended. It says, Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. When you read the biographies of Jesus' life, one of the places 
where he's most often found is reclining at a table, enjoying food, friendship, laughter and love with others. I wonder, is that what you think of when you think of Jesus? Do you think of him as a perpetual party goer? Do you think of him as one whose calendar was always full with party engagements? Another party we're told that Jesus attended was the wedding feast that we read about in John 2. Now, who doesn't love a wedding? It's a celebration isn't it, of two people being joined together in marriage, and then it's followed by a great big party of food with friends and family, dancing and fun. And if you're a guest, it's all free. A wedding, it's always a good time. Now, in Jesus' day, a wedding party would go on for days, potentially even for up to a week of feasting and celebrating. Can you imagine it? A week-long party of food and fun with family and friends. Now, maybe the, ex- the extroverts in the room are thinking, man, that sounds like that sounds amazing. But for some of you, maybe that's not as appealing. Well, at the wedding Jesus is at, something shocking happens. The wine runs out. Runs out midway through the celebrations. Now, this would have been terribly embarrassing and shameful for the hosts. But Jesus is there. He steps in and miraculously saves the day. Jesus turns six water jars into wine. He abundantly provides over 600 litres of wine for this party. And this wine is top shelf quality wine. The wedding celebration continues. The, the crisis is averted. But the question is, why would Jesus do this? The guests, they've had enough to drink. Surely this is a little bit irresponsible of Jesus. Why would he do it? Why do he provide more wine? Well, John says there's something bigger going on here than just Jesus performing a party trick. Have a look at what he says in verse 11. John says this. He says, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. Jesus performs this miracle of water into wine as a sign, as a sign to reveal who he is, the glorious creator of the world come in the flesh. He is God and he's come to abundantly provide. The lavishness of this wine is a sign of the life Jesus has come to bring. He came to bring life and joy and celebration. Jesus coming into the world is good news. He came so we could have life with God now and for all eternity. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, who was a pastor in England in the 1800s, says this of this miracle. He says, we have a glimpse of the heavenly banquet at this wedding in Cana. Jesus does not measure out his grace by the drop as chemists do their medicines, but he gives generously and freely both now and for all eternity to those who would receive him. Do you see what Spurgeon's saying? This lavish gift of wine at the wedding banquet is a foretaste, a glimpse, a sign into the glorious, overflowing, heavenly party Jesus has come to invite us to. 
a party abounding with the glorious generosity and grace of Jesus. The picture the Bible gives of Jesus is that he is up for a party. He loves feasting. He loves celebrating and he wants to do it in relationship with us. He wants to invite everyone to do life with him now, but more than that, to his heavenly party with him forever. The question is, how will you respond to this invitation? And that brings us to our second point. We're going to think about three mistakes we make to Jesus' party invitation. And the first mistake is we fear that if we do life with Jesus, we'll actually be missing out on life. We get FOMO. I wonder, have you ever experienced FOMO? That feeling where you, you know, look around at what other people have and you feel this sense of, man, my life is lacking something. Social media is the worst for this, isn't it? It can be so easy to look at what others are posting and feel like you're missing out. Just this week, uh, on my social media feeds, I've had friends holidaying in Europe, friends eating at classy restaurants, visiting beautiful natural sites, seen pictures of, of good friends of mine hanging out and having parties together, which I'm not at. And when I've seen these pictures, I've had that feeling of, oh man, wouldn't it be nice to be there, to be doing that. In this day and age, FOMO is rife. And our world wants us to believe that if we do life with Jesus, if we do life following him, we'll miss out on all the fun and incredible experiences our world offers. I remember a friend of mine in high school, he thought this way about Jesus. We'd often chat about Jesus together. And I remember uh, him, uh, you know, having no problem with Jesus being God and that believing that Jesus came to die for his sins. But I remember one conversation with him one day when he said to me, Paul, I'm going to, you know, do life with Jesus a little bit later on in life. For now, I just want to enjoy life. How mistaken my friend was. How mistaken so many of us are about Jesus. I know for myself, when I've lived life chasing that next experience, not wanting to miss out on that next running race or that next holiday, whatever that thing is, it's actually robbed me of the joy and satisfaction of those things. And that's because when I've done that race or had that holiday, it hasn't been enough. I've wanted more. I wasn't fully satisfied. But when I do life with Jesus... It's actually maximized the enjoyment and pleasure of those things because I can enjoy them for what they are, good gifts from a loving and generous God. The gifts themselves don't provide the joy. The joy comes from knowing who they're given from. Jesus has come to offer us life, life with our creator, life with purpose and joy that will never run out. You see, in the end, life without Jesus means you'll miss out. You'll miss out now as you seek to find satisfaction in things that were never made to satisfy you. And you'll miss out in the future on parting with Jesus for all eternity. The second mistake we make with Jesus' invitation is to think that life with him should be serious, dull, and boring. 
I reckon a lot of people think this. Maybe you've even met well-meaning Christians who think this, who think that life with Jesus is all about following his rules and regulations for life. They think that life with Jesus is all about abstaining and avoiding the things of this world. They think with that life with Jesus is to be a solemn and kind of serious business, void of all fun and laughter. Uh, this reminds me of a time I had to take my daughter Eva to get a passport photo. Uh, now, if you know Eva, there's a photo, I think, of her behind me. Uh, her name, Eva, na- the name means life. Uh, and if there's one thing that Eva exudes and overflows out of her is life and love and laughter. That is her. But obviously, when you go to get a passport photo, you can't smile. You can't really show much emotion. Uh, and for Eva, this was actually really, really hard. It actually took like half an hour or so to just get one photo until we got this. <laughs> now, every, every time I look at this photo, you know, when we're traveling, we get, whip out our passport, I see this photo of Eva, I think to myself, that's not the real Eva. This serious, non-smiley child is not the Eva I know. And it's the same with Jesus. If we think that life with Jesus is to be serious, dull and boring, full of rules and regulations, that's not the real Jesus. He has come to set us free from rules and regulations and rote religious activities, free from a life of seriousness and boredom. He has come for us to enjoy life with him, in relationship with him, a life full of peace and joy and security, knowing our future is secure. Not a life where we're constantly thinking, have I done enough for God? He frees us to enjoy his world and all the good things he gives us. And that brings us to our third mistake we make with Jesus. And that's, that's that we want to enjoy the good gifts from Jesus but we want them without Jesus. I reckon this is the most common mistake we make. We say, I'll take the fun, the food, the amazing gifts that all come from Jesus, but I don't want Jesus. We accept the the gifts, but we reject the giver of them. If we know the real Jesus, this mindset is completely backwards. It doesn't make sense. It reminds me of my pet golden retriever I had when I was growing up. There's a picture, I think. This is in the days of the Afro as well, you might notice. Um, her name was Heidi, and she was my best friend. Uh, each day I would feed her and walk her. And actually, I remember many days coming home from school, and I'd just go out and sit and talk to her. I loved her and cared for her so much. And, and from time to time, I would go to the butcher and, you know, get her a big dog bone. And I'd take that out to her and sit down with her and say, Heidi, I love you so much. Enjoy this bone. And you know what she would do every single time? She would grab that bone and run to the furthest corner of the yard like she didn't want to have anything to do with me in that moment. And it's the same with us and Jesus. We all turn our back on him, receiving the good things from his hand, but rejecting the hand that feeds us, sustains us, 
loves us and actually only not wants what's best for us. And we do this at our own peril. When we turn our back on Jesus, we turn our back on life to the full. We turn our, our back on the life that we were made for. A life of freedom and enjoying relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our world says, you want freedom and flourishing? You want to enjoy life to the full? Then be true to yourself. Don't let anyone tell you what you can and cannot do. Our world says, you be you. You do you, not you be you. You do you. That's the path the world says. But you know what? Our world's narrative doesn't result in life to the full. It doesn't result in enjoyment and fun that lasts. Sebastian Junger, who's an American author, journalist, and atheist, in his book titled Tribe, he says this. He says that our world's pursuit of individual freedom with no responsibility to others has ended in a world with no love, no belonging, and no tribe. And this has resulted in higher numbers of anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder in the West than in any other places around the world. Our pursuit of life on our terms without Jesus doesn't lead to enjoyment of life, but it leads to despair, disconnection, and ultimately death with no hope of life to come. But Jesus, he graciously doesn't want to leave us in that state. Jesus says later in Luke, he says in Luke 19 verse 10, just after he's had another meal with another tax collector named Zacchaeus, he says this. He says, I have come to seek and save the lost. Jesus has come so we can do life with him now. He came to bring us back into relationship with God. He came so we can enjoy the good gifts he gives us in loving relationship with him. He knows, left to ourselves, we'll keep running away from God. We'll keep running away from what's good for us. And so he comes to us to seek us out, to invite us to do life with him. So how does Jesus want us to respond to him? Well, he wants us to enjoy life in loving relationship with him. It's the reason he came into the world. He came to save us from our own despair and death. He came to save us so we can have life to its fullest both now and for all eternity with him. He came to invite us to his eternal party, a party which even the prophet Isaiah, who lived hundreds of years before Jesus, he was looking forward to. Look at how Isaiah describes this heavenly party. He says, on this mountain of the Lord, on this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest wines. He will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. What a glorious party to be invited to. Where the food and the drink will be the best. Where it will be overflowing. 
a party, did you see, that will never end because death and pain and crying will be done away with. I wonder, have you ever wondered what makes a party a fun time? Sophie Scott, who's a neuroscientist, and she studies and researches the science of laughter. Uh, She says this. She says, actually, we're 20 times more likely to laugh in the company of someone we know and trust than we are when we're alone and by ourselves. She says, in the end, it's not what you have or what you do that makes something a fun time. It's who you're with. And I think this is, you know, I, I, I think we get this, don't we? Uh, when we, we're RSVPing for a party, it's not about the food, the dancing, or the theme. What's the thing we look at? It's the guest list, isn't it? We want to see who's going to be at the party with us. It's in relationship with others that we have the most fun, laughter, and enjoyment. And that's why Jesus came. He came to invite us to party with him. What will make that heavenly party so great? It's that we'll be with Jesus. He came so we can have life to its fullest in relationship with him, in relationship with the God who made us, loves us, and died to save us. So how will you respond to Jesus? In Luke 14, Jesus tells a story of a rich man who's holding a huge banquet. Uh, He's invited all the guests uh, and the time comes for the banquet to begin and the the rich man sends out his servants to go and tell them, guys, the party's ready, come, enjoy this banquet I've prepared for you. But one by one, uh, as the servant goes out, uh, the guests uh, come up with these excuses about why they can't come. They say, I've got to go and look at the field that I just bought. Or I've, I've just bought an ox and I need to get it to work in my field. And because of these excuses, those people miss out on the banquet. So then the rich man, he doesn't stop there. He throws the invitation even wider. He says to his servants, go and gather anyone who will come and enjoy this banquet I've prepared. It's the same for us today. Jesus has thrown the invitation wide open to his heavenly banquet. He says, come to my party. Come enjoy the abundant feasts on offer with me. Come and do life with me today. The invitation is there for us all. The question is, will you take up the invitation? Will you do life with Jesus, the party animal? Because there's a day coming when the invitation will run out and you'll miss out. And this is one party you don't want to miss out on. Jesus came eating, drinking, partying as a foretaste of what life with him is like now and what it will be like for all eternity. Do you realize the incredible offer of life with Jesus? He offers you everything and it costs you nothing. Why don't you start doing life with him today? Accept his invitation and be welcomed into his party and start enjoying the fullness of life that he offers you. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we praise you for Jesus, that he came into the world to seek and save us, and that he came not wanting to restrict or restrain our lives, but he came to offer us life, life to the full, life to the full with him, the life we were made for. Father, we pray that each of us would take up Jesus' invitation to do life with him, to take hold of the great and glorious invitation to his heavenly party, a party with Jesus for all eternity. And may we live lives in light of that glorious, secure hope. And so it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, Let me invite uh, Claire up. And we're going to sing a song titled God So Loved. Uh, It's a, you know, a great song which tells of God's great love and the great gift of eternal life that we have for whoever believes in him. Uh, So let's stand and let's sing.